I would encourage you to grab a Bible, turn on a Bible, but get to John chapter 8 today, continuing to work through the book of John chapter by chapter. If we could go ahead and let's bring the house lights all the way up, please. Thank you. Thank you. How frustrating is it trying to tell somebody something and they just don't get it? No matter how hard you try, they just don't get it. Or how even more frustrating is it when someone just doesn't want to get it? Okay, they, they hear you, but they're like, ah, I just don't want to do it. Okay, how many of you have kids? Okay, you try to tell your kids something, they're like, ah, I don't get it. Or do you ever, how many of you have a strong-willed kid? And you try to tell them something, they look at you like a cow staring at a new gate. They're like, nope, not going to do it. I'm not going to understand it. I don't care what you do. That's frustrating, isn't it? I mean, that just takes everything out of you. Well, that's what's happening with Jesus, okay? Through the book of John, we have seen Jesus communicating one message. He just keeps pounding one nail. And that one message, that one nail that he just keeps hitting over and over and over is this. I've come from heaven, and I'm the Messiah. And the Jewish people were like, nah, we don't get it. And then the leaders, the spiritual leaders, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these spiritual religious leaders, they weren't just getting it, not getting it. They refused not to get it. They were the strong-willed child. And they did not want to get it. They did not want to hear it. They did not want to understand it. And so we've been seeing in chapter 7 and chapter 8, Jesus has been in Jerusalem now for a number of days. And, and he's been teaching in the, in, in the temple area. All right, he, he goes to the temple, crowds show up, and he begins to teach them. Now, here in chapter 8, our verses for today is actually a continuation from last week. Last week, we saw that Jesus was in the temple, and he, 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 he just begins to tell everybody, I'm the light of the world. I am the Messiah, the Savior of this world. And then he goes down, and the thing is, the people, and especially the religious leaders, were not getting it. And the religious leaders were even debating with him, arguing with him over that concept. So in our verse today, verses 21 through 30, is a continuation of that. And Jesus is, when he tells them that he is the light and that they need to believe in him, he's trying to convince these people, I am who I am, trust me. And that's the same boat we are in. Jesus says who he is, but do we trust him? And that's the title of my message today, In Jesus We Trust. And so today I want to look at a few things about trusting in Jesus. And so here's the first, the first thing, and I would encourage you to take notes, write these down. But here's the first thing about trusting Jesus, and it's this. Trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. You've got to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. So let's begin there in verse 21. So like I said, now he, he is, this is just continuing from the conversation that he's been having in the temple. And in verse 21, it says, So that he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going... You cannot come. Now, let me stop right there. You notice he says, I am going away. It says he said this again. 
I preached this a few weeks ago from chapter 7, verse 34. Jesus said it then. He said, I'm about to leave. I'm leaving. I'm going away. And where I'm going, you can't come. You're going to seek me, but you're not going to find me. Well, here he is again saying it again. I'm about to leave. And where I'm going, you can't come. And you're going to look for me, but you're not going to find me. And so here he is again saying this. Now, look at verse 22. This is a very interesting conversation that now he begins to have with the Jewish leaders. It says, so the Jews said, the Jews are, re- are actually referencing, that's the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all these religious leaders. And they said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, what in the world? Why would they say that? I mean, he's just saying, hey, I'm leaving. I'm about to go, and you can't come where I'm going. And so before in chapter 7, they, some of the religious leaders were like, well, maybe he's leaving Israel, and he's going to go to where all the non, non-Jewish people are, and he's going to preach to them. Now they're coming out going, no, he's going to kill himself. What in the world? I mean, would you ever think something like that if somebody said something? You'd be like, oh, he's going to kill himself. Why are they saying that? Because we got to understand the, the, the spiritual arrogance of these leaders, okay? The spiritual arrogance of the religious leaders of Jesus' time was this. Because I'm a Pharisee, because I know a lot, because I'm a child of Abraham, I'm going to heaven, they were a shoe-in, they thought. That's where I'm going. I'm going to go be with God. Now, this guy, he's a heretic, and he's blasphemed a lot, and there's no way someone like this goes to heaven. Their mind is, where he says he's going, we can't go. It's because we're going somewhere else. In their minds, we're going to heaven. So if we can't go where he's going, where do you think he's going in their minds? To hell. Because he's a heretic. He's a blasphemer. There's no way somebody like that goes to heaven. And so they say, well, if he's leaving, it must mean he's going to kill himself. Because in their time, the Jewish leaders, the Jewish people, suicide was so abhorrent to do They truly believed and they taught that if you kill yourself, you go to hell. That's what they believed. That is not what Jesus is saying, okay? He is not saying, I'm going to kill myself. He's not saying, I'm going to hell. In fact, these spiritual leaders are so spiritually blind, so much walking in the spiritual darkness that Jesus talked about in verse 12, they've got it flip-flopped. Because if you look... At Jesus' response in verse 23, he said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. You see, their spiritual blindness thought, Well, we're going to heaven. You're going to hell. And Jesus is like, No, I'm going to heaven. You're going to hell. I'm from above. I go to the Father. You don't. You see, their spiritual blindness, their spiritual darkness got them to a point where they would not acknowledge who Jesus was. 
They, the, these spiritual leaders got to a place where they just, would, they just refused over and over the reality and the truth of who Jesus is. They would not accept it. And so Jesus is like, here's the truth, gang. You're not going to heaven. You're not going to make it. And this is why Jesus says what he says in verse 24. He says, I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, meaning unless you believe that I am the savior, you will die in your sins. Now, he already said that. He said, says, I'm about to leave. Where I'm going, you can't come and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Three times now, Jesus has said, you will die in your sins. How many of you think if, you, if Jesus repeats that three times, that may be something that we need to figure out what he means? That's important. Die in your sin. What does that mean? What is he talking about? When he says to these, these religious leaders who, who, in their minds, we're going to heaven, and Jesus is like, no, you're going to die in your sin. What does he mean by that? That is an most, that's one of the most important things that you need to understand. So I need to teach you what that means. When Jesus says that you will die in your sin, it's actually referring to two different things. To the here and now and to the eternal. To die in your sin is to die physically, but also to die spiritually. He's referring to both. So let's back this train up a little bit, and let's start at the very beginning to understand how do you and I die spiritually? How do, how do we die in our sins? Well, first, we need to always remember, and I've taught this so many times. I hope you guys understand this. The Bible teaches us that we are all what? Sinners. Very good. You guys said that that quick. Romans chapter 3 makes it very, very clear. Every single person who has ever lived is a sinner. Nobody escapes this thing. We're all sinners, okay? Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says that there is nobody, not one single person who is righteous. We all go our own way. That's our human nature. Our human nature is a sin nature. Our sin nature says, I don't want to do it God's way. I want to live life whose way? My way. So when I live life my way, guess what I'm doing? Sinning. And so because of sin, it creates a condition in us. And that condition is this. I am separated from God because Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, for we all are sinners, we all have sin, and we fall short of the glory of God. What that means is that you and I, because of our sin, we are separated from God. The condition that Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are spiritually dead before God. You are spiritually unrighteous before God. You may be physically alive, but without Christ, you are spiritually dead. You may be able to do good works, but in God's eyes, you are unrighteous because of sin. And you can't escape this thing. You can't do anything to change it to the core of who you are. You are a sinner. 
And that sin causes a problem. Okay? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. You got two plates. Sin is death. Christ is life. That's it. Okay? So we got to start with this plate here. The wages of sin is death. Death means one, we all die physically because of the curse back in Genesis with Adam and Eve. When they sinned, death came into the picture. We all die physically. But because you are a sinner, if you go through this life never coming to the place, as Jesus says in our text, he says, unless you believe in me, meaning you accept me, you trust in me, as the only means for your salvation, no other thing. If you don't believe in me, you will go through your entire life as a sinner and your sin unforgiven. And when your body dies, you die as a sinner. That's the place you don't want to be. Because if you die as a sinner, physically, your spirit leaves the body. But spiritually, your spirit is now separated from God. Because if you die as a sinner, you've died in your sin. Your sin's not forgiven. And if you die in your sin, there is no other alternative. The only thing that you can now face is eternal consequences of that sin. It was never dealt with. It was never forgiven. It was, you've never... Jesus, let me read this verse again. Verse 24. I told you, you would die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sin. You see, this is why we have to trust Jesus. The free gift of God, the grace of God, the free gift of God is this. You believe in Jesus, all your sin forgiven. Everything. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter. Nothing. In Christ, completely, 100% forgiven when you believe in Jesus. When you trust Jesus as your Savior. But... If you go through life like these people, refusing to believe Jesus, refusing to accept him, refusing to receive him as your own savior, you will die in your sin. And if you die in your sin, you unfortunately will have to face point number two. And point number two is this. Trust Jesus because hell is a reality. You've got to come to this place where you, 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 you understand that you are a sinner. You, you, you will die in your sin without Jesus. 
And if you don't believe in Jesus, you will come to the place of understanding that hell is a reality. And that's why he says again in verse 23, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. When he says also in verse 21, I am going away and you will seek me, you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. This is the reality that Jesus sets forth. He, he, he paints the picture. And this verse, these couple verses, take the, the belief that so many people have and throw it out the window. It just throws it out the window. And here's the belief that everybody has. Everybody goes to heaven. Unless you're really, really bad. Unless you're just pure evil. That's, where, that's hell. But if you're just, if you're just, you know, we all sin. If you're just kind of bad, but if you're generally good, you're a nice person, people like you, you can go to any funeral. They're in a better place. Because that's the common belief of everybody. Everybody goes to heaven. But Jesus is saying that is not true. Because there are people who say, I don't need Jesus. There are people in their life living, living, living as a sinner. Unrighteous before God. Unholy before God. Spiritually dead before God. And people will say, I don't need a savior. I, will get to, I can get to God on my own. I can change my behavior. I can do good works. I can do things and that will get me to God. But the reality is Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, where I'm going, you cannot come because you will die in your sin. And the reality that Jesus is setting here is this. And I said this in the message that I preached this in chapter 7. The reality is there will be people, and the Bible makes this very clear, there will be people shut out of heaven because they've died in their sin. If you die as a sinner, you have to face the consequence of that sin. And Jesus makes it very clear. If you die as a sinner, you die in your sin, you cannot come where I am. Jesus is in heaven right now with his Father. And he's waiting for people to come to that place where they say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to give you some more statistics. You guys okay with more statistics today? I, yeah, I'm just going to stats. I gave some last week. And these are from the Barner Research Group. And I want to just give these to you. 81% of adult Americans believe in an afterlife. That's, that's a pretty good number, Okay. Most people in America say, yeah, there's an afterlife. I, I believe in something. 76% of people believe in heaven. 71% believe in hell. Those are pretty good numbers, okay? 81% say, yep, there's an afterlife. 76 say, I believe in heaven. 71% believe in hell. Those are pretty good numbers. This number staggering, though. 95 0.5% of people say they will not go to hell. 
Think about that for a moment. Only 0.5% of people honestly claim, I will probably go to hell. But 95.5% of all people say, nope, I won't go to hell. Why do you think every funeral is this? They're in heaven. They're in a better place. Why? Why? Because 95.5% of people say, we don't go to hell, even though 71% of people believe in a hell. So you got to ask, then, who's just going to hell? Well, people like, you know, Capone, people like Hitler, those people are in hell. But just for average Joe citizen, no, we're all in heaven. Now, here's another statistic. So, again, 76% believe in heaven, 71% believe in hell. 95.5% say they won't go to hell. But here's the thing. Only 43% say they go to heaven because they confess Jesus Christ as Savior. Only 43%. So my question is, then what happens to the other 57% of people who don't profess Christ, who never come to the places Jesus says, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sin. What happens to them 57%? Well, that 57% is this. You go, to, you go to heaven because you're religious. You go to heaven because you're good. You go to heaven because of your works. You go to heaven because of what you do. And it's those things that get you to heaven. And 50%, 57% of people are having a wake-up call at their death because they've died in their sin. Physical death has separated their spirit from the body. But because you die in your sin, Spiritual death separates you from God for all eternity. And the reality is there is a literal hell. Very real. If we believe there's a heaven, we believe there's a hell. And the reality is there are people who will go to heaven. And there are people living today who are refusing to accept Jesus. And they will be shut out of heaven because they will die in their sin. You know, here's the reality. As I said, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. God is not, the Bible makes it very clear. First Peter, first or second, let me see here. Second Peter chapter two tells us that God wants no one to perish, meaning perish means to go to hell. God wants nobody to do that. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says that God wants everybody to be saved. He gives you an option. Wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. Which one? It's your decision, your choice. Which leads us right into the third point. Trust Jesus before it's too late. So you have to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. You have to trust Jesus because hell is a reality. And you have to trust Jesus before it's too late. So again, in verse 21, Jesus says, I am going away. I'm leaving. He's like, he's talking to these people. He's probably about six months from, from being crucified. 
And he knows his timeline. He knows that my time on this earth is running short. And he's giving these people a warning. I am leaving. And you're going to look for me one day and you're not going to find me. And the tragedy that he's trying to tell these people is you have a choice right now to believe in me. But you are refusing that. And there's going to come a day when I'm going to be gone and you will die in your sin because you've refused to believe in me. You made a choice to say, yeah, we hear you. We hear that you've talked about yourself as being the living water. We've heard that you said you are the bread of life. We hear that you, you, you said that you are the light of the world. We hear all that, but we don't want to accept it. We believe we're okay the way we are. We are, we are religious enough. We will get to God. And Jesus is like, time is running out. Don't wait till it's too late. And that's what you and I need to remember. Is right now, we are living in what would be considered an age of grace. From the time Jesus died on that cross, the grace of God has been flowing like a river. And in this age of grace, between Jesus's, um, between Jesus dying on the cross and the second coming of Christ is the age of grace. It, it, it's the, the grace where it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you and I are saved. And it is a gift of God and not anything you can do. It is a free gift. God is like, man, you're the sinner. I'm the holy God. You have broken my rules. You've broken my laws. You are a sinner. You are unrighteous before me. But you know what? I love you. And I'm going to send my son to die for you. And if you will just believe in him, I will forgive you of all your sin. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you and I can do to merit the grace of God. There's nothing you and I can do to earn and to receive God's forgiveness. There's only one thing you and I can do. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe that I'm separated from God and you for all eternity. So Jesus, I trust you. I trust in you. But here's the key. You have to do it while you're alive. You got to do it now. There is no second chance after you die. There is, no, there is no second chance after this body ends up in the grave. That's why in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the apostle Paul writes this to the church. He says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Meaning kind of flippantly, like it's not that big of a deal. He says, for he says, in the time of my favor, that's where we are, in the favor of God right now. He says, I've heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now. Right now. In this life. Now, I know there are people who will be like, but Jim, there's purgatory. 
and, 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 and that's my pit stop. Because if I don't get my act together right now, I get to go to purgatory and end purgatory. And this is, this is a doctrine that is taught in churches, predominantly the Catholic church, that there is a place called purgatory. And purgatory is a place where if you didn't quite get your act together on this side of earth, okay, you're still kind of messed up. You're, you're still, you know, not real bad, but not real good. You get to go to purgatory. And in, in purgatory, you, you can continue to purify yourself. You have people on this side of, and while they're still alive, praying for you, giving alms, things like that. And that's going to help you purify yourself. And in time, God will eventually let you into heaven. Sounds good in theory. But here's the problem. It's not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible do you read about purgatory. It is a man-made doctrine. It is not a biblical doctrine. Here's what the Bible teaches you and I about life after death. Hebrews chapter 9 says, It is appointed unto man to die once, and after that comes judgment. You die once, and then you will go to judgment. There is no pit stop. In the book of Luke chapter 16, Jesus is giving a, telling a story about a, a rich man and a poor man by the name of Lazarus. And he said when that rich man, who was a very ungodly man, when he died, he went directly to hell. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 23, Paul talks about, he says, he goes, I want to depart and be with Christ. There, when you and I die, whether as an unbeliever or a believer, there is one or two places you will go. As an unbeliever, if I die in my sin as an unbeliever, I don't believe in Christ, I don't trust Christ, I die, I go to hell. As a believer, when I have put my faith in Christ, I trust Jesus as my Savior. In him alone, when I die, I'm with him in heaven. That is it. That is the biblical doctrine. One of two places after death. There is no middle ground. There is no other place to continue to work on your sanctification, to work on your purification. That takes place now. And the only way you are purified of your sin now is through Christ. Not because of what you do, not because you can merit it, not because you earn it. It's because of who you trust in. And Jesus makes it very clear. If you believe in me, you have eternal life. Now, some of you may be going, Jim, I hear it, man. I, I, hear, the, I, hear, I hear the urgency. Man, I get it, man. We need to do that now. But you know what, Jim? I'm just not ready yet. Give me some time. To let, let, let it percolate in me. Let me think about it. And I get that. I hear that. But it reminds me of an illustration, the story, an illustration story. Satan and his demons were figuring out, trying to figure out, how do we get more people to hell? And so him and his, his high-ranking demons were talking one day, and they were like coming up with different strategies. And Satan was like, okay, I hear all these strategies. Put them, put, put them to work. Let's see, what, let's see the results that come out of it. After some time, the trains were coming in. 
and, and, and the trains were coming in kind of a fourth full, half full, not a lot of people. And Satan was like, okay, tell me your strategies again. And this one demon was like, here was my strategy. I went out and told people there was no God. And he's like, well, I get that. But as you can see, it probably didn't work very well because here's the reality. Most people believe in some kind of supreme being. And another demon was like, his trains were coming in and they were a little bit more full. And he's like, I tried to convince people and I told them there was no afterlife. Nothing happens after you die. He's like, again, Satan's like, well, again, somewhat effective, not very. Because for the most part, people think that there is something after death. But then there were a set of trains that were coming in and they were full to the max. I mean, brimming over with people. And Satan was like, whose trains are these? And this one little demon from the back comes up. He says, those are my trains. He goes, and Satan's like, what did you do to get so many people? He's like, I told him the truth. And Satan's like, you did what? He's like, I told him the truth. I told him, yes, there is a God. I told him, yes, he did write a book. I told him, yes, Jesus did come to this world. I told him, yes, Jesus did die on the cross. And I even told him that they need to accept Jesus as their savior. By now, Satan's like, you've got to be kidding me. Why would you do that? He's like, because here's what I also told him. Yes, you need to believe in Jesus and accept him as your savior. Just do it tomorrow. Just do it tomorrow. And maybe that's you today. You don't know Christ as your Savior. And if you were to die today, would you die as a sinner? Would you die in your sin? And in that moment, there is no, God, give me a second chance. I, I'll, I'll do better. No, in that moment, your fate is sealed. And it's to judgment. Now, today, as Paul says, today is the day of salvation. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, don't wait till tomorrow because it may never come. And then here's the fourth point. Trust Jesus because of the important truths he says. Trust him because of the truths he says. Look at verse 25. And so they said to him, so he's, he's talking about all this, about dying in their sin and everything, and he's, they're like, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. You can hear the frustration almost in Jesus' voice. I wonder if he's like pulling his hair going, I've been telling you who I am. Now, how many of you know who are you? That's a good question. That's a legitimate question. In fact, Jesus even asked his disciples in Matthew 16, he's like, tell me, who do you say I am? Who Jesus is to you is the most important question you can ever ask in your life because it has eternal consequences to it. Your eternal fate depends on who Jesus is to you. Now, here's the thing. Them asking who Jesus is, um, it wasn't because they were really wanting to know. It was a challenge question. It was almost as if they were saying, who are you to tell us, the spiritual leaders of this country, we're going to die in our sins? Who are you? And Jesus goes on. 
And look at verse 26. He says, I have much to say about you and judge. But he's like, I'm going to hold my tongue, though. He says, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. If you look at the end of chapter, or verse 28, he says, I do nothing on my authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. So this is kind of like a math problem here. Jesus says, the one who sent me, he's talking about his heavenly Father, he is true. And he's like, everything I say is because what he told me. So if God the Father is true, everything the Father says is what? True. true. And if Jesus is only, he's not speaking on his own authority, but only on the authority of the Father, and he's just saying what the Father taught him, then everything Jesus is saying automatically equals what? Truth. Jesus is like, God the Father is true. I speak only what he said, so what I am saying is true. And Jesus is saying and has been saying, I am the Savior of this world. I am the way people are forgiven of their sin. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. And if you will trust in me, you will have eternal life. He's speaking truth. And in fact, if you look down a couple of truths that are so important to see here in verse 28, and Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, meaning when you have put me on the cross, and you have picked me up and slammed that post into the ground, and I'm hanging on that cross. He goes, then you're going to know something. And he goes on. He says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know I am he. He's like, the two important truths is this, is that Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross. He died on a cross for sin, for humanity's sin, because we couldn't do it. We can't fix ourselves. We are broken. And Jesus came to take the wrath of God off of us and to put it on himself. And he willfully went to that cross. And he's like, when you lift me up on that cross, he goes, in that moment, you're going to know I am he, that I am the Savior. I am the Savior of the world. And for you and I, we need to believe in that truth. If you're believing any other truth, well, Jim, you know, I listen to the news people, and they sound pretty, they're educated. I listen to Hollywood people, man, they know what's going on. I listen to the culture. I listen to, the, to my friends. I listen to my coworkers. I, I, it's not truth. Jesus is the truth. And what he says comes right from the Father. And we need to understand if Jesus is saying these things, this is what God is saying. And God is saying, if you do not believe in my son, you don't get to come here. We've got to trust in Jesus and trust in the words that he says. And there's a fifth one. This is a little bit lighter note here. This message has been heavy. I know it. So how about a little bit lighter note then? Trust Jesus because he's always with you. Look at verse 29. And he says, and he who sent me is with me. He has never left me alone. 
Can I tell you something? The Father was with Jesus. Can I tell you who's with you as a believer in Jesus Christ? God the Father. Jesus is with you every day, all the time, every circumstance, every problem, every storm. He is still with you. You see, that's why we have scriptures like this, so many of them. Matthew chapter 28 tells us, Jesus says, I am with you always. Hebrews chapter 13, 5, it says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Isaiah 43, 5 says, fear not, for I am with you. Joshua Verse one, verse, or chapter 1, verse 9 says, Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, here's the thing. You and I may not understand that completely because we look at the circumstances in our life and we're like, well, how can I be going through this? And why is, where's God at? He's with you. Well, I don't understand it. How come the circumstances aren't changing? If God was with me, wouldn't the circumstances change? Not necessarily. God is with us. And, and the thing is, we got to always understand, even when I don't see things happening, he's still with us. Even when I don't feel things like I sh- think I should be feeling things, he's still with us. Even when I don't see the circumstances changing according to my timetable or how I want them to change, he is still with us. Him saying and declaring over and over and over through the word, I am with you, doesn't mean, and it doesn't negate that, it, it, it doesn't mean that just because he says I'm with you, he's going to do like everything we command him to do. His presence is there for us so we can just know I'm not in this by myself. He hasn't abandoned me. I'm going through the cancer. He's with me. I'm going through a time where my children aren't living for Christ. Man, he's still with me. I'm going through a time where, man, my marriage is in a crisis. I know he's still with me. He is with us. Always. And then lastly, now we have to get application on this one easy, one easy line. It's this. Trust Jesus have you. This is the bread and butter of this message. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is it. This message means nothing without this point. Because if you look at the very last verse, verse 30, and as he was saying these things, many believed in him. As he was saying, you will die in your sin. As he was saying, I've been sent from him from above. As he was saying, the things I am saying is truth. As he was saying, I am the light of the world. As he was saying these things, people's hearts broke. People were like, man, he is who he is. He is the Messiah. And I am going to believe in him. Trust in him. My prayer is, is as I have been saying these things. As I have been preaching this word, that something in your heart has been saying, I need to believe in him. I need to believe in Jesus. So my question to you is today, have you trusted in Jesus? Have you come to the place where you understand you're a sinner? You are a sinner. And your sin is going to separate you from God if you die in your sin you will be eternally separated from God. 
in the reality of a very real hell. But you don't have to go there. You don't have to be separated. You can know that you know that you know that you are forgiven in the here and now, right here, right now, in this life, by simply coming to Jesus and going, I am a sinner. And Jesus, I can't fix myself. I need a savior. Come into my life. Be my savior. Be what I need. And you accept him and you believe in him. Don't wait because it may be too late. This may be your only opportunity. This day may be your day that can change your life and your eternity forever. Let's pray.